Dave's Five Hot Takes. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to another interview edition of Dave's Five Hot Takes. I'm so glad you guys are back. Um, these are so much fun. I love doing the the episodes where it's just me, but I really, really enjoy getting my friends to come on and talk about music and give me their five hot takes. Uh, this week was no different. This now, this week is a little bit of a cheat because I, I felt like I I, I, I sort of cheated uh, <laughs> with this episode 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 <laughs> on this episode um, because John McLaughlin, who I interviewed, uh, is one of my dearest friends. He and his wife live across the street. We see them numerous times every day. Uh, I, I laughed that we've kind of started a cult together. That's <laughs> how much we spend time together. So much, in fact, that he and I have started another podcast called Dadville that's about uh, our kids and being dads because we just spent so much time sitting around talking about it anyway. So if you get a chance, check that out. But uh, John is, it's. I spend so much time with him, I forget how gifted he is. I mean, he is a tour de force of, of talent. Um, phenomenal artist, singer, songwriter, prodigious piano player. I, I can't tell you how gifted uh, he is. I still geek out when he'll come over and play piano in our house and just piddle around. I'll sort of stand right outside of the room and like get goosebumps and spy on him, which is always <laughs> weird, but sadly he's used to. Because I just think how many people would pay so much money to hear him sit in their room and just, you know, play piano, you know, in their in their house with them. That, that felt weird. I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> I pulled, pulled the plane out of that uh, that bomb quickly. <laughs> but it is, he is a dear, dear friend. This, this um, you know, to brag on John some, I'm looking at his little brag sheet here. It's pretty amazing. He's played shows with Billy Joel, Kelly Clarkson, Adele, collaborated with his longtime friend Sarah Bareilles on a song called Summer's Over. It's so great. Demi Lovato, he's written with, performed on the Academy Awards, which we talk about. He's saying the song's so close in the, in the, um, movie Enchanted. That's actually him in the movie. He got to play it at the Academy Awards too, which is a hysterical story. Um, he just put out a killer EP. It is, I think, some of the best music he's put out. He also put out a album called Mood, which, you know, a lot of people know John for his singing and, and songwriting, and, and they know he's a good piano player, but Mood to me really showcases his, his, his genuine um, prodigious gift. And I really don't use prodigy lightly. I really think John is a prodigy on the piano. His playing is otherworldly and it's so unique to him. That's something I always love about what he does. It's not just, he plays well, he plays so specific to his, how he thinks and hears music. And it, it is, I, I'm, I get goosebumps when I hear him play. It's incredible. And this album mood is just instrumental piano music and it is so good. It's, I can't tell you guys how good it is. And, it, and I just love when my friends flex that way, when they have these kind of gifts that stay a little bit behind the scenes and they get a chance to really shine. Cause you know how good of an artist he is and that the mood records are so cool because it's him really showing you his incredible giftedness on piano. He also has this series, uh, video, series called Dueling Pianos that's so much fun. He has, I thought this was such a genius idea. He has friends on and they both play pianos and sing uh, together like a duet, uh, but both of them playing. I got to do it. Uh, obviously, I wasn't playing piano. <laughs> that would be a very one-sided affair, but I played guitar and we did kind of mashups of our song, which is what he does. Um, it's really, really, really great. Um, he's he's going to be putting out a uh, EP of Christmas songs at the end of this year. He he's just he's a real he's a real artist. And I know that sounds like something that's easy to say, but I really mean that. John to me is the consummate musician. He's 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 so gifted at what he does. Um, he is so much fun to see live. If you ever get a chance, he'll he'll really blow your mind. I'm just so thankful we had a chance to sit down and talk shop. You know, do these five hot takes. John has played music his whole life. He studied music his whole life, and so I knew he would come in with very well informed five takes. And boy, did he! 
Uh, these are really, these were really fun. I, I listened back and got a kick out of it. Uh, so I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, grab some coffee, pull up a chair, and enjoy Days Five Hot Takes with John McLaughlin. So, John McLaughlin, welcome to Days Five Hot Takes. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I am really excited about having you here. This, this is, um, I've thought about this a lot, and this sort of feels like cheating a little bit, you know, because it's like, one, you're one of my closest friends. Two, you live across the street, which is funny because we're doing this in these, you know, p- pandemic times uh, via video chat, which right. I can we, almost hear you outside my window. I was going to say, if we just, <laughs> if I just yelled this interview, we could do it from our front yards. Um, but three, and in, in other exciting news, we have another podcast that we actually do together. Yes, we do. Um, called Dadville. I'm actually wearing my Dadville hat right now. You would be wearing yours, except you so benevolently gave it away to one of our friends last night. I did. I did. Yeah. He's a he's a pastor, and he's yeah. actually my pastor. So I, f- I feel like the rule is call me old fashioned, but when your pastor asks for anything, you just give it to him. Well, and, <laughs> boy, is that has that gotten people into trouble throughout <laughs> the years in church? Also, you know, I think you can tithe less now. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's counted that's as a tithe deductible. That's an AOC tithe, which is article of clothing tithe. Yeah. Uh, and it takes down your the ten percent to seven percent. Um, so John, so this this is really fun for me for a lot of reasons. One, because like I said, we're such good buds. Uh, such an insanely talented artist, piano player, um, songwriter, and you're you're also one of my friends that's done it for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. this is how many years have you done this professionally now? I mean, it's hard to say because. You know, you have those couple years where if I said it in a group of of like close friends of mine, like my college roommates, if I was like, you know, I've been doing this since 2001, they'd be like, well, <laughs> Dude, we were we were around those first couple of years. I don't know if you should count those. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> oh, man, that got me right in my tickle box. So I kind of I take those technically I started writing songs in 2001 but I take 2001 to 2003 and I just count it as one year. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't so count as two years. Isn't it? I mean, oh man, that makes me laugh so hard. And this is why. There's a there's a few reasons, but one, do you remember like at the beginning of your career how much you just wanted everything to count as a show? Like to be able to put a gig oh, yeah. on your website? Even if that was for like a free gig for your sister's Sunday school class, you'd put anything you could. I mean, I remember like if someone asked me to come by and play a song for their parents, I would really think about putting that on the site because it just felt so good to have gigs up there. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if, you, if I had like a really good practice session on my own, I'd be like uh, myspace.com backslash past shows you're like i killed that i killed that set yeah so so you've been doing it so you said you start so so really what are we at 17 years 16 17 years yeah somewhere around there so one of the things that's so fun about this podcast is not just having my friends especially who are musicians on but having people that have done this for a long time and not only have you played professionally for a long time but you played a really long time as a child with piano yeah because you started how old were you when you started i was about four when i started God, that's insane. Like, what does that mean? Like, you, you started lessons then? Uh, I, I might have started lessons when I was five, maybe. I, I'm not yeah. sure. No, no one in the family remembers. I'm the third kid, so it's like the documentation <laughs> on me compared to my brother and sister, <laughs> way less. 
there's not really a paper trail yeah or anything yeah but around that time I, I was about four when i started like messing around on the piano and my parents noticed that i was like coming home from church and and playing the hymns that we had sung oh that wow. morning or so, you know some version of yeah, them. yeah. They could tell that i was playing Ama- amazing grace right um and then shortly thereafter i, I started taking lessons so so so, so- which fast forward a little bit, but when do you remember when you wanted to be an artist? Like when was the first time that you thought I want to write songs and be on stage and not just play piano, but sing? Like when was yeah. that? It was a video. It, it was at our old house on Poplar Street, Anderson, Indiana. And I was watching the TV in the den and I saw Billy Joel for the first time. Wow. Like he's on stage. And I remember he was wearing a t-shirt like he had a he had a suit jacket on but he had a t-shirt on underneath it and that was the first time i'd ever seen that i was like because i'd seen my dad in a suit jacket and and a tie and all that but the t-shirt yeah that was like stirring up a rebellion inside of me that i didn't even know was there i was like you can that seems like he's rebelling Someone <laughs> but, but should... like but like very conservatively rebelling yeah it's like yeah because he could still eat in nice restaurants because of the because of the jacket yeah like a but rebellion a... that your grandmother could get behind <laughs> no <laughs> which is how i describe my music all the time <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh dave barnes a rebellion you can get behind oh my god a safe rebellion a safe rebellion a rebellion for all the grandmas. um so so how I... how old were you well, we moved out of that house when I was five. So, oh my god, it, was, it was early. But that was the first time that I remember seeing somebody up on stage playing the piano, singing. He had sunglasses on. You know, it was just so cool. And there's not a ton, you know, like for for every piano player, pop guy, girl, there's ten thousand guitar player, pop guy, girls on yeah, stage. Yep, you know what I mean? Yep, so we don't yep, have as yep, many of those. Yeah, yep. as a piano player. Um, so that was huge for me when I saw that. And ever since then, I'm like, I, that's what I want to do for sure. So when, when did you start writing songs? Well, I, I always, from a really young age, I started writing like little piano songs, you oh, know, wow. with no lyrics. Um, mm. and then I wrote my first kind of pop song with lyrics, uh, like freshman year of college. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And 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 that was when you were on a healthy diet of of like what are you listening to then? Just pizza and Mountain Dew. <laughs> no, I mean like musically. Oh, musically. Um <laughs> so I can just assume all the songs were like 130 BPM, but then like a really f- severe drop off toward the end of the song down to yeah, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always had like a 9 minute outro at like 40 BPM. And then they would eventually just stop. Um I like my freshman year I was listening to this weird combination of a lot of John Mayer. That's when mm-hmm. I, f- I first discovered John Mayer, Room for Squares. And uh, I would like I would go jogging at night around campus and listen to Room for Squares, uh, Coldplay, Parachutes, mm. and like a lot of classical piano. Oh, wow. Which is kind of a cool combo because... Coldplay especially, but John Mayer too, has a lot of weird chords that you mm-hmm. wouldn't, yeah, yeah. That you don't hear in pop right, music, right, you know. Right, right. So there was a lot of that 
happening. So there's on. actually some weird simpatico between those three things. Right. Yeah. 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 Did, did, when does, cause I know Ben folds factors heavily into this. He was earlier though, right? Wasn't that kind of high school for you? Yeah. So it was, uh, I like, I remember the exact moment. Um, I was in eighth grade, my buddy, Jeff Owen, who's a musician, producer, awesome songwriter, guitar player here in, in Nashville. He and I grew up in the same town. Uh, we were going on a ski trip. So we were in his dad's car. He was driving us to the the church to go on the ski trip. And he had Ben Folds 5, Whatever Never Amen, mm. in the CD player. And I, I, mean, I remember the moment. Ironically, we were right in front. We were driving past what would be my freshman dorm, you know, years in the future. So in that in that little spot, sandwiched between the music building and what would be my future freshman dorm, wow. I heard Ben Folds Five for the first time, and like changed my life. And that whole weekend, I had his, I stole his Discman and listened to that record just on loop. I just couldn't. Wow. I had never heard piano being played that way and that kind of like raw, kind of punk but really well done. And like the musicality was super high, but also yeah. like the profanity was super, was super high, high, you know, <laughs> and Ben was probably super and high. Yeah. The players were high, you know, <laughs> everything uh, was, it, it blew my mind. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I will say this for all of my friends who are piano players, who are really, really good piano players. Um, ben folds has a part of all of their stories. Yeah. All of them, almost, and this is this is a bold thing to say, but I would say the same for John Mayer for my friends who are around our age that are great guitar players, and, yeah. and Dave Matthews, oddly enough, in some yeah, ways yeah, too. But I think you need a Ben Folds, and, and and John, you know, John's playing is not as bombastic and sort of um, you know big as as Ben's is, but he definitely brings to your to your point earlier, he brings this. No, no, you can go farther out than that. And I think Dave Matthews did that. I mean, like you learn how to play satellite and you're like, you can do, or like anything Dave Matthews plays on guitar has this like, this is the least conventional way to ever think right. about a guitar, but it's so amazing. Like you think yeah. about any of those songs and you're like, I don't even know how he thought to do it. You only can do that if you're not meaning to do it. You know what I mean? Like uh -huh. it has to be. And I think, you know, so I think for guitar players, that are our age, you know, Dave Matthews to a greater degree, but also John and his chords and and how he plays the chords and key changes. They just yeah. sort of take your brain and stretch. And I feel like Ben folds is that too, because Coldplay and Chris Martin are geniuses, but they're, that's not what they're doing. Right. You know, but those guys kind of take what you know, and they stretch it to where you're like, Oh, I can really get weird with this. Or I don't have to do the conventional approach. Well, and, and all for of my me who was studying, I was like this, you know, piano nerd in eighth grade where there's no there's that that has no place in your social life i'm not i'm not talking with my friends about our piano lessons no one's comparing notes anyone who was taking piano lessons back in elementary school they're done with it i'm the only guy left taking piano lessons you know but but it's, so there is there no safe place for that like there's no you well, don't that's have what a ben friend. folds five ah okay okay did for me was say Hey, you you can be like here's this basically a punk band. If yeah. you went and saw their their early live shows, it was like a, a yeah, punk high rock octane. scene. Yeah. But he's playing really 
intricate chords yeah. and like major sevens and like chords that you wouldn't think would go if you press mute and we're just watching the video you're like yeah, yeah. oh this guy is just banging out some yeah. you know fifths yeah yeah but yeah, he's yeah. playing really yeah intricate sophisticated complex music yeah yeah you know and saying things like you know singing or later on he would go on to like sing these really sweet songs for his kids and all that and he somehow gets away with it because it all balances out yeah you know but that to me it gave me license to be like okay i don't need to be quite as closeted of a classical piano player yes that's a great way to put you know? that yeah he, yeah he was yeah yeah that makes sense so so as you said sort of fast forward back to where you were talking about your your dorm and and uh being in college one of the fun things about you and i is that we've known each other what, what did we figure out 2000 well it was in that dorm so Three? it was my freshman year. So it was either 2001 or 2002. Two. So, yeah. so you and I met in 2002. You played with Wirtz and I. We did a show, Matt Wirtz and I did a show at Anderson. You came and opened for us. And we immediately thought, this is now another person we have to kill. Uh, there can only be one, which is weird because Wirtz and I hadn't killed each other yet. But, um, but I just remember, one, you being so good. Like, uh, you know, you think of guys that come open for you as freshmen and, you know, you're kind of ready for what that's going to be. It's, you know, if they're good, that just means there's potential. It's rare that they're really good yet. You know what I mean? Mm. And I remember Wurtz and I both that night kind of like looking at each other like, man, that guy, he's already like good. Like, you know, I remember too feeling like you, you, it just seemed like you were already accomplishing so much and your star was already kind of starting to rise while you were at Anderson. Like, I think I remember thinking it was so cool that y'all had the greenhouse records thing you know, the school kind of had its own record label in the music department there. And uh, and they were already kind of fostering this thing, you know, almost a little scene at your college where you were kind yeah, of, the, yeah. you were kind of the dude, you know, I think in that scene and, and much like Rector, you know, it's a lot of Ben's story is he was already kind of his thing started way ahead of a lot of ours who got out of college and started you and Ben both while you were each in your respective colleges at different times. But you know, you, you were already kind of getting after it. And I remember like, yeah. it felt like every time I went back to Anderson, you had gained more ground or put out more music and, and, you know, you, you were sort of moving quicker than a lot of us were who later started, you know? Well, Anderson was a really great um, sort of bubble that I could do that in. Cause it's a small school. There's like 2000 kids or so, but there was just an enough of a scene there. There were a lot of other guys and and girls that were really talented and but but it wasn't too much that it was intimidating. Yeah. It wasn't so much that I just kept it to myself and you know didn't get out there and in the mix of it. Um but it wasn't like I was the only guy doing it so no one really understood right, what I was right, doing. Right, right, it was that right. perfect level of you can go play yet small enough that I can go play like the parents weekend whatever. And it, and it feel like a real show, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I remember literally playing the parents weekend for like new freshmen or something like that. And I, I get there and, and I think I thought I was just going to be doing background music while they were like eating dinner or something. Oh, wow. And I get there and there's like, you know, 300 chairs set up facing a keyboard and I've, I just got to step up and, and play a show, which was probably like my third time ever doing that, playing a show. You yeah. know, and it, and I played for like an hour and a half and it was one of the greatest times of my life. You yeah. Know? 
Which is so great because it gave you it gave you a place to to get good at that. Like you yeah. didn't have to learn how to do that out on the road, where the you know it can be a little more dicey if the fans are not quite as forgiving. Or totally. they're they're you know. already rooting for you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and it's the show wasn't that good. I mean, there, I have no tape of it. I have no video, but it, I know it wasn't that good. But I was able to you know do my thing in the room with a lot of forgiveness and a lot of like support. And then the next show was a little bit better and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I wasn't at this um, giant school in 2020 where everything's recorded and, and it's part of your record. And right. You know, right. So it was but it's funny. You, it's funny you say record because I do remember you putting out, did you put out one or two records while you were there? Uh, I put out two. Too okay, yeah. But I mean, even that, like, to be in college and you're in a professional recording environment with guys that are playing, yeah. and girls that are playing with you, and you're you're having to go like, oh man, I need to not be as loud because the drum mics are picking that up, or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, that's such valuable training. It's like, oh yeah, really good stuff before you head out into the world doing what you're doing now. It was great, yeah. That's crazy. So 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 fast forwarding a little bit, and and we'll kind of we'll, we'll ask some more questions as we go. But you're also you're also the only person that I've ever known that's played on the Academy Awards. Oh my gosh. I've never been so nervous in my life. I don't know how you wouldn't be. I that would was be terrifying. I was at, at, I remember standing backstage on the you know I was I was standing on this big like float type thing. Standing there the curtain was closed all the dancers are ready and I can hear them announcing you know, the next song, uh, Patrick Dempsey was announcing it. And I remember thinking, if I was one ounce more nervous, I would be physically incapacitated. <laughs> I could barely, like, function. I was so nervous. There was just so much lead up to this one song. Mm. You know, we we were there all week. We were We rehearsed, like, three times a day with the orchestra. There was just so much lead up to this one moment. Yeah, can you tell? Like, can you just give us a quick backstory of how how did how did so close and all that come to be? Because you're in. I mean, I should say you were in Enchanted. If if anybody knows the movie, that very handsome debonair man standing on stage as they dance together in the movie. That's yeah, with substantial hair. Yeah, that's you. Yeah. So it was. uh, I was finishing up my Indiana record, and I was on Island Def Jam, and. Island, the the girl who ran, <clears throat> excuse me, I get choked up when I talk about this. It's a very emotional. <laughs> the girl who ran uh, the film and TV department at Island had a relationship with the girl who was the um, music supervisor for that movie. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And so they had this song that um, Alan Minkin and Steven Schwartz had written. They needed, they were looking for somebody to sing it. And they were chatting one day in spring the girl at Island was telling Dawn about this new guy that they had just signed. And she was like, oh, well, he sounds like he would be perfect for this song. So I flew to New York, recorded that song, which I was super psyched about because I'm a huge Alan Minkin fan. He's a and Steven Schwartz. And, and, and so for those who don't know, Alan Minkin is basically the guy behind all of the Disney songs that you know and love. You um, can pretty much just name a Disney song and probably yeah, and he, he had a part it. to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I went, sang the song, but it, at that were point, they, it was just going to be there? the song. 
No, he wasn't there okay. at okay. that recording session. Okay. Um, oh, this is like a tryout. It's not a tryout, but we ended up having to re-record it because the producer changed. I can't remember the details, but at the second recording session, he was there, um, which, Gosh, was, cool. which was nerve-wracking. Did he have, wouldn't it have been awesome if the key was in C, but you're not getting there? And he says, I'm sorry, you're just a little under the C. <laughs> that would have been just a great moment for me. Um, but that's huge. I mean, that's got to be... You know, being on a major label has its pros and cons, and you know yeah. anyone that's done it knows it's it can be dicey, it can be it can be yeah. amazing. But those are the moments that you go. This is one of the reasons I want to do this. Is I have you know because you have a major, humongous major label that is excited about you, and they're trying to do everything they can to get you into those kind of positions. Which is I yeah, mean, that's such an amazing opportunity. You know. Yeah, and it's it's not as a musician, it's not something that you sort of have on your radar, you know. That's really well said. That's I mean right. that that has been one of, if not the most, um, as far as like a one single event that got me, you know, the most exposure. That's definitely got to be the one. Yeah, and you're always thinking of, you know, I want to win a Grammy, play at the Grammys, all that, all this music stuff, and I wasn't necessarily thinking of movies, Academy Awards, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was it was really fun and in a way it took a lot of the pressure off. It's like this is just a fun thing that I'm doing that's not part of my, you know, my normal kind of lexicon of stuff. Yeah, right, right. And but and you know, they they asked if I wanted to be in the movie for a second, which was a blast and Amy and I went up to New York. They filmed it in Brooklyn and so I got to, you know, I'm in the in the movie for like 3.7 seconds. But, <laughs> but it's get, a powerful, it's 3. a powerful 3.76. And, but, you know, I don't know, I don't know anything about the movie. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if yeah. it's going to be yeah, the yeah. worst movie ever, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, that didn't matter to me. It was just like yeah. Disney and Alan Minken. I, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Done. Um, but it ended up, you know, being a great movie and nominated, you know, the three of the songs were nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, so, and I remember getting off of, I was on the rock boat. Oh my gosh. And I, we got off the rock boat after having my, you know, phone off for a week. And I'm starting to get all these emails in like, you know, reverse order. So I'm reading through the emails from like my label and my management. And it's like, we maybe we hear that it might be nominated for an Academy Award. We're not sure. D did we find out like, Brooke, did we find out that from the, you know, and I'm just like going through the emotions of, ah, it looks like it's not going to happen. No, wait, it might happen. I just got an email. It's nominated. Are we, can John sing? We don't know. Let's find out. You know, I'm just like. <laughs> which, which for me, terror, that's when the terror would start. To, I mean, like, and excitement. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, please don't. But please do. Oh, but please don't. But please totally. do. And that's the yeah. story of my life is like, I'm always signing up for things and <laughs> reserving my real emotion. I will be terrified, but I'm going to say yes, and then I'm going to figure out how to dig myself out of this hole. Yeah, you know, you know, and 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 my, I have a very similar experience. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but when I was on a soap opera, um, there was a very similar moment where they asked me to come on and sing, and you know, I felt all those things. You know, I, this is a huge moment. So many people are watching this. I had a line. At least actually. all the cast. The cast, yeah. my wife. Well, actually, Annie had gone back to get some food, but it was a it was a really <laughs> powerful. Moment. Okay, John. So so let's 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 dive in. We we've we've got these five hot takes. I know you've been sort of cooking Oof. them up. You've been getting them hey, ready. I, I want to say I've never done so much homework for an interview. 
that's that's I'm gonna take that as a compliment, even though I could take it as something else. But I'm, I'm actually gonna say compliment. I've never done this much homework. Okay. Just period. <laughs> just be- <laughs> All right. So what's five, what's what's uh, hot take one? Hot take one. Well, let me first say that I- anyone who knows me knows I am a huge uh, fan of sad songs. I yeah. love sad songs. I- I'm with you. I'm with you. Love I, a couple songs. years ago, I went down to. Oxford, Mississippi, and met with this producer, Dennis Herring. Genius. We were maybe going to do a, a record together. And, and I remember he's done just for the fans. He's done, uh, uh, he did uh, Counting Crows. Um, what's the. He's uh, done, he did Ben Fold's um, Way to Normal. Yeah, he did a great George Clay album called When I Left the Zoo. He's, he's, a, he's a superstar. He's, he's awesome. Elvis um, Costello. He's amazing. Yeah. And, um, and he told me he was like a great. A great song is a happy melody with sad lyrics. Oh, man. And I was like, absolutely it is. So, my first hot take is a song that literally, you know this, Mm -hmm. I literally have this song stuck in my head every day. Oh, yeah. And just to be clear, Mm -hmm. that's not hyperbole. No, no. If I'm I'm just aimlessly whistling, Mm -hmm. it's going to be... This old dun, song, dun, Don't Get Around dun. Much Anymore, which was written in 1940. Good, really? Duke Ellington wrote it in, wrote the music in 1940. And then, um, oh shoot, I forget who the other guy was. Biddy uh, Blanco. <laughs> Max Martin. <laughs> I forget who, who wrote the lyrics. Bill Russell? I don't know. That's not right. Anyway. Uh, wrote the lyrics in 1942, but this this song is. Uh, let me turn these speakers on. So, my hot take on this song is that it's a happy, classic stand. I mean, this is a standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is yeah. a song that has. Yeah. It's like an old hymn. It's like Amazing Grace. Like it is taken. It has gone through the test of time and passed. You yeah. Know? It's been re-recorded by countless, countless artists over the decades. But it has this like happy little, you know, music to it. They crowded the floor. I mean, that's so it's so, so great. You feel great. You feel great. It's happy. It's super, super hooky. And it's already doing it's doing chords that are outside of the yeah. normal kind of like yeah. one, four, five. Like right, I'm right. playing in the key of C right now, yeah. right? right? Which normally you'd have like a pop song would be C, F, G, yep. A minor, and that's it. Yep. You write the whole yep. song. Yeah. So but it's already going like C, D minor, E flat diminished raised fifth i don't even know and then c over e and then before you're two bars into it you're in a different key you're in the key that is one of my favorite things of all time you know but the lyrics though are so sad this is this is after a breakup and the guy is saying the singer is saying like i don't get out much anymore like that that phrase can slip by you because it's like don't get around much anymore hey yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of but it's like i i'm depressed i'm super i'm not leaving my house i'm literally in my house and eating cheetos and (laughs) warm-ups 
but the the lyrics kill me like yeah i miss the saturday dance i heard they crowded the floor awfully different without you Ugh, don't get around much anymore uh thought i'd visit the club got as far as the door they'd have asked me about you oh, oh it's come just on, so that good. line it's just so good isn't it amazing you know another song that's not sad that way but is very misunderstood is uh is the Bruce Springsteen um, born in the USA. It, it's, it's a different trick, but the trick is, is similar in that it's this born in the U and everybody's like raising their fist. And then the whole song is about totally how the kind of the opposite, how overlooked and, the, anti-war and all that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, and so it, it is, that's a great point. And it does really prove this weird, this weird dilemma, how our brain processes information, you know, cause uh-huh. you, you just can't help but go to the melody first. Right. And then like whatever iteration of listening it is later, you go, what? wait, 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 wait. He doesn't get out much. Oh my God, that's so sad. Yeah. But yeah. Like, it's like the Colbert Report of songs. It's like, <laughs> oh my you're like, yeah, God. wait a minute. What do you say? <laughs> wait a He's second. On Hold on. Side, right? <laughs> Hang on. He's on our side. Um. Yes, I agree with you. I think it is the trickiest. Like that little that little move, which you know, I do. I always wonder with songs like that if people are like really purposefully, or if it's something they just wrote and they went, "Oh, that's kind of interesting." I mean, I think Springsteen's probably well, well thought it. So I want to ask you. This. So as as we're as we're talking about, you're playing and people can hear as you're playing there. What you have such a distinct way that you play piano. I mean, I, I do think obviously you think of you know you think of your um, growing up playing, but it's just so distinctive and it's so, it's not somebody kind of plodding along playing chords. If you listen to any of your music, one of the most consistent plumb lines through your music is your piano playing and how it, it's a big part of what you do. It's not backseat to what you do. You know, I think that's a similarity with guys like, you know, John Mayer, like we were talking about earlier, you know, these artists who are not just known for their singing or their songwriting but their playing is a huge part of what you know people identify with them or know them as um yeah as you do that like is that something that you think about a lot or is that a natural sort of like that's just the way you approach songwriting and playing or are you kind of always thinking like i need to have a little thing here and a theme here well i would say that i've i have i've gone through seasons where for the most part, the short answer is yes, I always think about it. And yeah. if if someone came up to me and gave me a compliment in the music world, there's kind of like a hierarchy of compliments that I would like to receive. You know what I mean? If someone <laughs> this is just me personally, if someone came up to me and said, You're a great singer. Yeah. I, it's thank you. That's great. But that that gets maybe the bronze medal for me. Wow. I would much prefer somebody say, you're a great piano player. Or like, wow, nah, really? Love, how do you play that little thing? I love that chord or whatever. The ultimate, the only, the only one above that would be if someone said, uh, man, I love that lyric. That mm-hmm. to me, for, for whatever reason. But those, those two are pretty up there. Like the piano so, playing so, and so the lyric. To be clear, like with your lyric, even more than the song, 
even more than what you're playing in the song. I think so. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Just that's to amazing. to for someone to say like, man, I've never heard. And I'm not. No one said this to me, but I'm just saying. I'm not quoting fans verbatim, but for someone to say like, oh, I've never heard it said that way, or I love how. Yeah, yeah I get that. I love that lyric or whatever. Totally get that. I don't know that. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because that's the closest thing to an original thought right or right. original thing that i can actually create because some right. kind of piano playing it's all been done it's the same 88 keys that everyone else has been playing for right years, right you know right so i'm probably not doing anything new and i'm definitely not the best piano player in the world nor am i you know trying to be so i feel like the the lyric is the closest thing you get to like creating actually something yes like original. generating really authentic content yeah. that could yeah. only really have come from you yeah. and, and 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 where where do you with your playing cuz again it's it's such an integral part of what you do like and we've kind of talked about that so maybe you've already spoken to it but who do you like what what is that what's the what's the ingredients to make the cocktail of john mclaughlin's piano playing ooh that's a good question. I don't know. No one's ever asked me that before. I mean, I do I do think that I have my voice mm-hmm. on the piano, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's the kind of thing where it's it's hard it's hard for me to hear that because I'm always hearing someone else playing it. Like whatever song I'm writing, I'm hearing someone else sing it. It's mm-hmm. so, you know, it's like Sam Cooke is singing this new song that I'm writing. Right. It's not me. And when I'm playing, I'm playing like Harry Connick or I'm trying to, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I know that I have a voice, but it's harder for me to hear because it's so diluted and muddy in my own head. Right, right, right. But the ingredients are, I mean, Harry, Elton, Billy, and Ben Folds are the mm. four pillars of whatever yeah. whatever I'm playing. I mean, the only other thing that would be in there maybe is like Chopin because I played hmm. so much of that um, in college. but. Um, I'm stealing from one of those guys all the time. Yeah, and it probably uh, yes. the combination of theft of thievery is my own little cocktail. That yeah, is- no, I, I think that's all of our. That's a that's a yeah. really, and I think for the listeners out there that are music fans, you know that 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 because at first you'll think oh, thievery, but that's all any of us that do this are is a combination of our inspirations. Yeah, and I think you know yeah. if if you're like I like the way that John plays piano or Dave plays guitar, writes songs or anything that we do are singing. If you just peel back the layers, you you open the hood, all the stuff's there. It's just, and it's true with every artist ever. Yeah. No one is without inspiration. And so I think, you know, it's always fun when you sort of like, to your point about those four pillars, you sort of go, Oh yeah. Okay. I can sort of hear where that's there, but then what makes you, you is actually the cocktail of them. Right. And right. how they reiterate in John McLaughlin. Yeah. And then what's cool is then somebody that loves your music that's a piano player goes, Oh, you know, one of my four pillar John McLaughlin, so, so, you know, and then and it's funny because now those guys have made their way into that person's playing through you. And so they just keep going on, you know, right. and on forever. Yeah, yeah. Um okay, so hot take two. Hot take two. Okay, so we're sticking with the dichotomy, the balance, the opposite of happy music and sad lyric. (laughs) This is maybe gun to my head and I have to pick the greatest chorus ever written. It's it's King of Wishful Thinking. Go well. 
I mean, walk me through it. Why, why do you feel this way? Best lyric ever. Now, it's a little bit muddy, maybe for me, because there's a lot of nostalgia attached to this <laughs> it song. Has to be. <laughs> this came out in 1990, right? So I was eight, seven, eight years old when yep. this came out. Yeah. I mean, so to me, when I hear this song, I'm immediately back at the Dolphin Club pool. Of course. And all, life is simple. Swim in your tail. And I'm just, all I need to worry about is swimming and Starburst and swimming <laughs> and Starburst. <laughs> Can that be the name of your autobiography? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just life. Like, girls haven't entered the picture. Nothing. Yeah. School's yeah. not a thing. It's just swimming and Starburst. And yeah. this song, <laughs> I'll get over you. I know I will. Ugh. I'll pretend my ship's not sinking. And I'll tell myself I'm over you because I'm the king of wishful thinking. Oh my gosh, that song. And the thing is, and I feel this way about like uh, Billy Joel's Piano Man, Billy Joel's uh, New York State of Mind, which is coming yep. up, uh, spoiler alert, on a later hot take. I, those songs, this song, like, I felt something. Before mm. I even knew, yeah, that's a great. I had nothing that. to yep. relate it to. Yep. There was yep. no, you know, Context. like angst yeah. or breakup or whatever. Right. right. But you just feel the emotion of it, you know. Which, which can I say, actually echoes your first hot take. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it really is that. I mean, horns. Everybody in that track is partying. Oh, the bridge, that horn part. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the, but but it, it it really proves your first point, you know, because that's that that um that song and and the band Go West, uh -huh. they have a place it's same as you because it was a formative. That's like twelve for me, eleven or twelve, uh, age wise, and it's you know same thing. Like I just I don't know why it makes me so happy, but I'm yeah. every time I hear it at that age, I'm like I just want to hear this song until my ears bleed. Yeah, you know what I mean. That yeah. kind of perfect combination of you're at that age where you're just a sponge, but there's no, you said that really well. It's not coming in with any other information. It's just pure music hitting you. And you're just like, I just love what this is. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because there's no, because there's no, nothing specific to attach it to, or it doesn't, it doesn't bring anything else mm. into the picture other than itself. So yeah. you can't, you can't, you're not judging it. You're just no, feeling yeah. it. <laughs> You're you know? just feeling it. You're just, I have I feel that way. One of the first sort of moments, one of my first songs like that was actually um we are now this is stay with me, but our house had burnt in Mississippi now and it had uh -huh. burned to the ground, but we were on a vacation and it this fire happened in the basement that burned for about six hours and so it smoked the whole house. So we had to move into a house direct literally in our backyard, shared a fence with the house we stayed in. So it was this unbelievable blessing where we were literally just over the fence from our other house, but there was a little back house in this backyard of the new, of our rental house. We stayed in for a few months and, and we took a little, me and my friends, you know, this is when I was 13, 14, we took a little space heater in there and we put up like some chairs and we'd hang out. Cause that was like our little hangout spot. And when I see you smile by bad English uh -huh. would come on. It was just, I didn't know what it meant. I just know that every time, sometimes I wonder, I was just like, yes, I do. I feel like this, <laughs> even though I don't know what's going on, but just the unadulterated emotion it would evoke, even though you had no context for what that emotion was. Yeah. You know, and that's before it was like a heartbreak song because a girl broke up and there was a real something to attach it to. Yeah. It yeah. was just coming in. That, that is, uh, 
I, I love that you said go west to me is I think a lot of people would feel that way about that band. I wonder yeah. what they're doing now. I'll find if, myself kind of like if you guys listening don't know go west or don't know this song, go listen to it. Yeah, you you need and to try to listen to, to it just once. I dare you. you yeah, yeah, yeah. So so okay, another question is we're kind of moving on. So I feel like you do, we've talked about your playing. You do such a good job combining it. It's sort of section B or, or uh, uh, B to your A part of the earlier question I asked about your playing. You do such a good job of combining your playing with your singing. Um, it, you know, is that, because it'd be one thing if you're leaning really heavy on the playing and it's kind of like the the songs are, you know, which I think artists have done to their detriment. It's like, you know, that the songs don't match yeah. their ability to play an instrument, but you're one of those few that sort of amazingly shot your way through the maze of being able to do both really well. Um, is, I mean, is that hard? Is it hard for you when you're sort of thinking about songs, how to where a vocal should be that the piano isn't getting in the way of, you yeah. know, or, yeah. or, or how to make sure it has a place without overcoming or vice versa, yeah. you know? Well, I'm, I'm a big believer in the song wins. Oh yeah. The song that. has to that. win. Yeah. Like I don't care how good you are at whatever instrument. If you're writing a song, there's only so far, let's say you're the greatest guitar player in the world and you have discovered some new way to play the guitar. That's just blowing everyone's mind. The time limit on that. What is it? Two, three minutes. Yeah. And if you don't have a hook in there, yeah, you're out. I, I'm done. I mean, Good for you for learning how to do, you know, you're a great guitar player, but the song has to win yeah. every time. Same for great singers. Yeah. Yeah. You know? True. Um, um, so I feel like it has been like my career has been a lot of years of trying to hit that bullseye of that balance of this is a great song, which is hard enough on its own. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, this is a great song, but also I want it to represent me as a player because that is really important to me. And, you know, there've been songs where I feel like this song is great in my opinion. And, you know, the, the track is great. And when it comes time for that solo, then it's like, should it be a piano? Maybe not. I don't know. It's like the odds of hitting that bullseye every song, it's just not going to happen. But over the course of, you know, seven, eight records, I think I've hit it a couple times. Do you feel like that, that a lot more than that, but do you feel like it's, it's it, for me, it would be a struggle that I don't lean too hard on the piano playing. Like if yeah. the song is starting to struggle, I'm like, I just don't want to rock in piano part. Right oh, totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, like er- early on my songs, I mean, another, another dichotomy or, or opposite, whatever you want to call it, that I think is true with a lot of these songs is, you know, you got the happy melody with the sad lyric, but you also have a really, you have some complex music that's happening and chords that are happening, but you have this hook that the listener doesn't know how complex that music is. Yeah. Right. Which is another, I think, you know, really valuable balance. If you can, if you can get it, not all songs have to have that, but early on in my career when I was starting out, it was just heavy complex. I was like, I want there, I want to hit all the notes all the time. Every three seconds I need to hit all these notes. 
It doesn't matter. It just needs to be complex. People need to know that I can play. <laughs> play the yes, yes, yeah. Which can which can really generate amazing things. And I mean, that, I mean, at the risk of sounding too weird, that can be a wonderful energy. You know what I mean? Because because yeah. you do step out and you really go like, man, you know, like he he really knows what he's doing. Okay, so what's what's hot take three? Hot take three. Okay, so hot take three and four. Ooh, all combo. under the category of. There is there is one specific chord change, chord progression, that I am a sucker for, and uh, this, I have this is already going to be one of my favorite hot takes. So, so I can't wait to hear what this is. And I I wonder if you know I have to think that that there are non musicians out there that don't know don't care what these chords are, but they feel what I'm feeling. You know mm, what I mean? Mm, I love so, that. Billy Joel's New York State of Mind. When I heard that song for the first time, I mean the 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 piano hook. The uh, that's a that's a beautiful melody. That's beautiful, but the chords underneath it are you got the one, and then you're going to the major three seven, which is I think that what I. You know, if I'm going to nerd out about why I love that change. Please do. This is the place for it. You, you, again, you have like, we're, let's, we're in the key of C, right? So you've got that C is supposed to be, your one chord is supposed to be major. Your two is minor. Your three is minor. Your four is major. Your five is uh, major. Your six is minor. Your seven is diminished. And then your one is major again. So this is already, this is breaking that rule. It's supposed to, and what what I also think is amazing about it is music, all these notes don't have any significance or value just on their own. They are only valuable and have identity and have purpose in relation to each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this, this chord right here means nothing right now, but yeah. if I started out here... Now I hit that chord. Now it has complete. It's pulling me somewhere mm. because it's it it came from here, and then it it wants to drop down to this minor. Mm. It's it's that that you know like um, it's that constant back and forth between dissonance and and release, like tension and release, mm. and it's all about building that tension. Yeah, and the and the one to the three seven to me is one of my favorite chord progressions ever. Yeah. Not to mention that after that, it just gets even better. Like it's, you know. Like that chord right there. Oh, give me a break. M minor four over flat seven. And then you're in a different key. Yep. And so th that, even that right there, He's playing the same riff. It's the same hook, but it's not the same because it's coming from someplace. We used to be in C. Now we're in F. So it's just, it's, it's, it's genius. And it's so, you know, you and I laugh about this a lot, but that's a piano song. Yeah, like like one of the things that I think you guys have a cheat code on as piano players is 
that you're used to seeing everything in front of you. Everything is an option at your fingers where, where the fretboard is such, it, it's mo- so much more math. You know, you gotta, to get that note, you gotta hold and bar this to get to the, and that's one thing I always get so jealous of. And I think too, that you're, I think piano players, melodic vocabulary because of that is just, it's, it's so thick and wide right right. where, you know, it's just guitar players. You're kind of thinking about six chords at the most four, five, if we're being honest, where piano players, like I can have a hundred chords in the song if I want to. Oh yeah. You know? And I think that's, that song especially is such an incredible, it shows that off to incredible effect. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that anything you want to do is right there. And you can do that on, on guitar. It's not that you can't, but God, just the way you can do it on piano is so much more. It's just different. It's you just know? a little more user friendly. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. So, so you said three and four. So what's four? I'll take four. Yeah. So, th- so four, same explanation. And I, when I heard this for the first time, I just, it brought out the same emotion. I just instantly loved this change. The Georgia, Georgia, Mm. the whole day through. Just like, there's just something about that major three that just gets me every time. I mean, and I I could rattle off. I remember listening to Sublime Santeria for the first time. Boy, did I not see that coming. Right? But it's the same change. It is. Dun, 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 dun. You know, don't, John, do you feel like we, I talked about this with Kevin uh, Griffin on another one of these interviews for Dave's Five Hot Takes. I think knowing that Billy Joel was such an insanely huge Ray Charles fan. Yeah. You know, that's where that came from. You know, when he was writing New York State of Mind, which he always said he, he wrote thinking of Ray Charles, like he uh-huh. wanted to write a Ray Charles song that the major three that, you know, from which, you know, Ray didn't write that song, but obviously he made it hugely famous. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where he goes. And yet it doesn't, it makes you feel the same thing, mm-hmm. right? You feel what the nostalgia, whatever that is that you're feeling, it's heartfelt, whatever, yeah. but you don't think, Oh, George, I'm okay. I see what you're doing. Right, I mean, exactly. Great piano players and and mus- musicians might, you know, they made it. Okay, I see where you're going, but I promise you, by the fourth chord, they're already they're in that movie, completely immersed. They don't they're not thinking about it anymore. Yeah. But I think I think too, it's it's always so interesting to me because I think that we're always building. I mean, we already said this, you know, earlier on. We're always building on the backs of the people of you know. We're we're, we're always taking what people have done, and are just adding to it. Um, in, in ways that that feel the same, but but create new things. Yeah, you know. And I think too. I think and Kevin and I kind of talked about this a little bit too. I also think there's something funny in songs where when a song establishes a mood so much like Georgia does, Georgia just right mind. off the bat too. You and and every time you hear that song, you feel all those things. Yeah. Right. You feel, and those chord, and that chord progression is a huge part of that, of the reason why. So I, I really believe this. I think iconic songs that sort of introduce a chord progression or introduce a vibe or a feel us that are way down the line years later, you can actually cheat 
by using the same chord progressions and evoking the same emotion because that emotion was so established in a chord progression that was just at the right time and just happened at the right. And and so, you know, when I think about George, my mind, but even oddly enough, you think of, I mean, I'm pulling this out of thin air, but I think about songs like um, Blackbird and what Paul Mm -hmm. was doing on the guitar and how does that affect, uh, you know, any other song that has that kind of singular, you're moving up the fretboard. It does. You're cause, because when, when that song came out, it was such a unique moment in pop music and it was so profound and effective that you think about fast car by Tracy yeah, Chapman yeah. years later. And you're like, some of why you love fast car is actually because you love Blackbird. Yeah. You're like, you know I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with that mood. That's that exactly right. That's exactly right. That. And yeah. so I think there's there's kind of a fun cheat code for us songwriters. Without it, we're n- we even know we're doing it, that when you're sort of dipping into some of these chord progressions that are iconic because of a song that sort of introduced them, you almost get to move up about 20 feet. You, you, can, you can skip some steps because people are already like, oh, man. I don't know why I feel like this right now, but I feel like this. Yeah. And you haven't yeah. even done anything yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I think is, is, is really, again, it's a fun, like not, not cheat code, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to talk so much about that. So, so John, I want to talk about mood. So you've done all of these records. Um, you know, you've been doing it, like we said, for a vaguely 16, you would argue 17, 18 years. And then, you know, this far into a career for someone who's so known for playing piano as incredibly as you do, and you are one of the best piano players, I think, that plays piano alive today. Mm. And I mean that. You know, you put out this these these two EPs that now become a super album of of instrumental piano music, which it, they are they're incredible. I mean, it's it's oh, I, I think you. your ability to put all of these songs that are so different. There's so many things to respect about it. One, that you would do it. I just, I, I will always champion people who are like, I'm going to take a little bit of a left hand yeah. turn in my artist career to because there's something else that I can offer. I love that. Um, two, that you would, that, that they're instrumental. Three, that they're so different. But I think four, they're so good. It's not, every one of them is, and, and you're playing is, and it's, again, this isn't like Billy Joel where he, you know, he composed those pieces and he had the guy play them, which is yeah, fine. Yeah. But that you're actually playing them too. Yeah. So there's just, it's a myriad of things to respect about that record, but it's such a good record. T- tell me, why did you decide to do it? And, and, and how do you feel about it now that you've done it? Well, I mean, it's funny because I, the, uh, the moment when I sort of decided to do it was uh, like comedically idiotic. Like I was, <laughs> I was on a call with my management and my manager just said, <clears throat> he was like, oh, this was uh, shortly after we had started working together. So we hadn't known each other for years and years and years. It was like, you know, we knew each other for a couple of months. So he was like, didn't you grow up doing like classical music and stuff like that? Didn't you study classical piano? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. That's like my foundation. And he's like, well, why don't you ever do anything with that? And that was it. I mean, completely comedically idiotic. Mm. Like someone would think you literally never thought ever before. And which, I mean, I had, what I would do sometimes is uh, like a couple years ago, I did a tour where I played 
almost every night I played this song, um, Promising Promises. Yeah, I love it. And song. in the middle of Promising Promises, I do this piano solo. Um, but I would go into this uh, Chopin piece mm. in the middle of it and kind of had this extended. So there were some things that I would do live where I would borrow or I would, yeah, I would yeah, play yeah. an old classical piece. Yeah. But I had never written anything like that. And that's, that's when am- I just that, want to pause for a second. It really is astounding. Like, I would love to get into your brain and spelunk why you never did that. Like, what ca- kept you from going, you know, I should just write a little 30 second piano. Obviously, yeah. those would then go into songs, I'm sure, a lot of times. You know I, I mean? think that that was, I think that was it. I think anytime I would have any kind of a little hook, I would, I would turn it into a right. pop song. You know, for sure, for and sure. I think it came at a great time for me because he, you know, David, my manager, says this opens up this window at a time where I think, had I not started doing mood, I think I would have gone into a real dry spell, pop wise. Like I, wow. it, just at the time, I didn't have any lyrical ideas. I was really kind of I needed to take a break from trying to write pop music for a while. And this mood thing, I mean, was in there and just like ready to come out. And well, I, and it feels I like that because it. living across the street from you, it felt like every other day there for a while, you were like, hey, can I play this little? It was like yeah. that stuff had just been sitting and was ready to explode. <laughs> yeah. Because you wrote yeah. so many so quickly. You yeah, know what I mean? Well, and, and, and you didn't have a lot of swings and misses. I, I feel like every idea you played for me, you wrote. Well, and I think that what I love about it is that it's a little bit, you and I as songwriters know, when you get together to write a song, I mean, the music is huge, of course, but how much time are you spending on the music versus how much time are you spending on the lyric? You're spending 75% of your time on the lyric, always. So the lyric just takes so much energy and, and especially too with, with with guys like you again, uh, sixteen seventeen year career. Same with me. I mean, it is hard to find something to talk about that you already haven't talked about. Oh, totally. I mean, I would argue that <laughs> if you haven't talked about it, someone else has. Like, oh my gosh! There's no, there's no new angle on anything. Right, right, you know? right. So it for me, it was so freeing to not have to worry about the lyric but and i know this sound this maybe sounds corny but i wasn't it's not like i wasn't writing an emotion or an i I felt like i was i was creating and saying just as much i just wasn't using lyrics yeah that's that's a great way to put it yeah they they, it is i love and i can and for those who are listening that are musicians and artists I, i can't I think John, you know, th- that album is such a great example and should be a great source of encouragement and challenge you for those things that you also can do to lean into them. I think there's never been a better time in sort of the hit- history of music to diversify. And yeah. uh and especially, you know, I mean, you know, you're a mutant with this John and not everybody can play their instruments or whatever their other thing would be as well as you play piano, but um I just think it, you know, as a fan of yours too, it's another way that I go, man, I can't believe he can do that. And it's another thing that I can really gravitate toward and enjoy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's, uh, Thank you. well, I mean that. What's, uh, what's Hot Take 5? Hot Take 5. So we're going to end 
my five hot takes uh, with a man who completely like all all of the nice compliments you have been giving me. I I receive those and I will hold on to those. I'll get those out and every rainy day that comes my way, and they will be an umbrella to me. So thank you. But this guy is on another planet. Come by me, Harry Connick Jr. Oh my I'm gosh. not going to play. Uh, I'm not going to touch my piano yeah. anymore during yeah. this interview because I'm not going to talk about Come By Me by Harry Connick Jr. and try to even reference anything. Oh if you guys haven't heard, the listeners haven't heard this song, it is it is maybe the best example that I can think of of bridging the gap between, like what we were talking earlier, uh, let, let's find a song where you're really, really playing. But let's also find a song that is super hooky, mm-hmm. has a great, you know, lyric, and people can leave the concert singing this song. It's yeah. so hard to get those two together. Yeah. This song starts out with him singing, and then he goes t- into this like two minute solo that will one hundred percent blow your mind. And it for for the non musicians, non piano players out there who are listening, go and listen to the song and think, I don't know, that sounds hard. Is that hard? It is impossible. Is what <laughs> and, it is. and if John, I just want to, I want to back up with you. If John McLaughlin is saying this is hard to play, it is hard to play. It is impossible. I And not only is it played well, or not only is it just an amazing piece of music that he put together, but the fact that he can also play it flawlessly yeah. and i've seen him you and i have gone and, and yeah. seen him at the ryman yeah. and he plays this song and he also embellishes it and makes yeah. it even he'll and do he's like kind of laughing intro he's looking at the crowd oh <laughs> uh, one of the things that i this is a weird thing to say i mean because i'm a humongous harry connick jr fan and and he's another one of those which i love when we have simpatico on the podcast but like you know speaking to your uh mood record you know, he's another one when he did Star Turtle and and <clears throat> his pop couple of pop records. Uh-huh. That was a huge left turn for him. And those yeah. records are incredible. Yeah, yeah. If if even if you don't like them from a song standpoint, you have to sit and listen and respect what he's doing because the playing the right. it and I love them. I'm I'm very much. But but one of this is what I was going to say. One of the things that I grieve about him is I think because he is such an incredibly entertaining guy and he's so handsome and it's you know it, well you it's almost like I think people don't understand how gifted he really is musically. You know I do wonder that as with the American Idol stuff and like everything that yeah, he's exactly. done in the last ten years and his show and all that, which is all great. I, I love that he's on those shows, but I do wonder the, you know, the 17 year old singing in front of him. I'm like, did they have any idea what the, he's doing? Genius that he is. He, and, and, and really, and you say that, well, John, I mean, he is, he's a, I remember um, like finding out like with his shows, if you ever go see him live and his records, like he is writing the string charts, the horn yeah. charts. Mm. He's producing, he's writing a lot of those songs. I mean, and this is not, this is not first, second grade stuff. I mean, this, the incredible depth of what those charts are and how they're going with the band and coming in and out and super dynamic. 
it's 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 incredible. And so one of the things I grieve about him, which is a weird thing to say, is that I just don't know that he'll ever get his, you know, just desserts, if you will, because he's just so wonderfully normal too. Like he's funny. He's if you see him live to me, I and 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 I'm coming in hot. It's the most entertaining show I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I I, I watched him entertain, and I thought this is a guy who literally looks like he was born on a stage. He's so comfortable. He's so funny. He gets up, yep. grabs the mic, just kind of walks around, makes jokes, and then sits down and plays like he could be falling asleep. He's so calm. And what yep. he's playing is so insanely uh, hard to do. One of my favorite things, I remember um, a friend showing me, he was playing in London. We've talked about this, John, but he, it may have been come by me, actually. And he's playing. I remember this. Yeah, he, he's playing. He tweeted you, right? That's right. Well, I'm being HCJ. But he's playing Come By Me, which is in 4-4. And the crowd, because their English is clapping on one and three. And traditionally, if you hear a song, dun, 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 you clap on two and four. That's where the snare drum goes. And you can see him. He's kind of. So he throws one bar of five, four in to make, to flip their clapping onto the two and four. And let me tell you something. <laughs> I, as a musician, I don't know that I have ever seen something as cool as that. I yeah. really don't yeah. because for him to sit there and go, okay, how can I get, Oh, I know what I do. I'll, just throw, I'll throw one extra beat because mathematically that shifts yeah. them one beat back to, but the to have the one. wherewithal to, to think, Oh, I can correct this to have oh, the, the confidence God. that you In have control of the room while you're performing, you're being filmed, all that kind of stuff. And it's not, it's, it sounds like a simple thing to do, but it's, I don't know if I could pull it off. It's incredible. You know what I mean? It's incredible. The best part of that video too is this is my favorite thing is it's got this, the way that the, the, the video shot is it's shot and you see his rhythm section on the back of the stage. Cause it's just him playing. It's, you know, that song is just him and a piano and they all freak out. They all like throw their hands up because you, you are in the presence of something that is so insanely amazing. Yeah. And I love that they are all like, yeah, this is, this is amazing. Okay, so last question I have for you before we wrap this thing up. Tell me, I love dueling pianos. Can you mm -hmm. tell me about that? It's this wonderful thing, and for those who haven't seen it, you have to go check it out. John's got a Patreon page that's sort of the, the gateway drug into this world of amazing videos. But but it's this amazing, amazing thing where John has friends. I've done it with him, but all these friends come on, and it's he and a lot of times other piano players playing songs together, sort of mashed together. Uh, yeah. into bigger songs. I, I love this idea. Can you sort of tell me about that? Well, again, this, this was an idea that my management and I um, came up with. And I, at first, I was kind of scared to do it because it's like, it's one of those things where you got to get kind of a film crew together and there's a lot of lead up to what could go well or or might not go well. Like I remember yeah, before yeah. we did the very first one which was with Ben Rector uh and Gabe Dixon. I literally I was putting together these arrangements thinking I don't know if this is going to actually sound good to yeah. the listener. Yeah. Like this might be yeah. way too much piano. We may get the whole film crew, get the lights set up, we got the two grand pianos, we got the the you know mix engineers ready to go. Because it's not a small production. I mean, y'all need to understand this isn't like John throws up his iPhone and records he and his friends playing right. songs together. Right. Uh, and it, yeah, I was like, I, I don't know how this is going to go. It might yeah. not sound good. And then, yeah. you know, so within the first, you know, 
two bars, I was like, oh, this is going to work. This is going to be really <laughs> yeah, fun. That's a great feeling. And it's been it's been really fun to do, but also like what what has been most fun about it, which you know this because when you when you and I did it, we had a miscommunication where you had texted me. I forget the, the details, but I thought we were doing different songs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You texted that's, me that's, something, that's, that's and I got there, and I was like, I. You know, this is weird that Dave wanted to do these two songs, but we're doing these two. And you were like, "No, no, no, that's not what I meant." So we, if you guys go, the listeners go and and um, watch the two songs that Dave and I did, uh, which were so fun to do, so much fun. We threw that together, yeah, right before, yeah, yeah, yeah. literally right before. <laughs> before. And those have been the most fun. Like I yeah. did, I did, uh, I did one with Will Anderson. Lead singer oh, of Parachute, Parachute. Yeah. and I had one song that I knew we were going to do, and I thought we're just going to do this one song today because that's the only uh, arrangement that I could come up with. And then when we got to the studio, we did that one song, and then afterward, he started playing one of my songs a little bit, and I was like, "Hang on, play, <laughs> just keep keep playing that real quick." And then I started playing one of his songs that I had listened to on the way to the studio. And they just ha- they just went together. They, yeah, they worked. So it's sort of dueling pianos has forced me into a headspace that I'm not normally in, where it's like you're you can't really plan. You're just going to step into this river and just ride it, and we'll yeah, see where yeah, it yeah. goes. Yeah, and it, it's been super fun and great every time. One yeah. of my favorite things about because I've talked to Ben uh, Rector and I talked to Will right before they did those. And both of them were terrified. I just remember them being like, this is literally like, um, it's like, you know, Da Vinci invites a friend of his over that, that draws and they're going to just draw in front of crowds of people at the same time, you know, because Ben is an, he's a great musician, you know, but I mean, Oh yeah. You know, he's not, he hasn't played for his whole life. You know, your gift set is very different than his same with Will. I mean, Will would tell you like, he tinkers a lot more than he's like a, you know, he calls himself being played. But I just remember <laughs> running into randomly running into each of them separately before they did theirs. And they were both like, I really don't know why I said I would do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the dumbest decision. I, I will say I have got that from some other friends of mine that I've, that I've been, it's been an ongoing project to try to convince them to do it. Yeah. And they're like, dude, I yeah. just don't know. Just and I'm like, don't. look, I feel the same way, but I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just as scared as you company. are. <laughs> I have to do every single one. How do you think I feel? Oh my gosh! But it's Johnny. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank Thanks you so much for having takes. me on. Um, great it. takes, by the way. Those were very. You, you did. I want to say I'm giving you an A. I'm giving you an A to A plus on the homework. You knocked it out. I always appreciate musical references, so I'm glad that you know because I think it's easy to talk about things, but when people kind of play with your you know, it gives people like, oh yeah, I know what that yeah, is. Yeah. So, so yeah. thanks for all well, this. This was great. It was really fun. Hard work. Um, okay, cool. Well, hopefully we'll see you next time. Days five hot takes. Five hot takes. Yeah. Days five hot takes. Yeah. yeah.